What's going on, world, and welcome to another episode of the Art of Visuals podcast. My name is Prince McClinton, and I am your host, and today's guest is Catherine Simois. She is a Canadian-born, self-taught travel landscape photographer and a digital artist with a passion for the outdoors and the wilderness. After quitting her job as a fashion stylist and model, she left Quebec and spent four years exploring Western Canada, Australia, New Zealand, Hawaii, Indonesia, Argentina, Chile, and Peru. I think it's Chile. While showcasing her travels to her audience mainly on her Instagram page. She is now traveling the world full-time on a mission to share her passion and vision while creating unique photography and working with her clients around the world. Kath, welcome to the show. Hey, Prince. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be on the podcast. Yeah, so welcome to the show. And why don't you start off with giving the AOV community a little bit more background on yourself, Kath? Yes, so my name is Catherine Smart, and uh, I am from Quebec, so I speak French. Uh, that's why you'll see my weird accent through the podcast. Um, so, uh, friends, if you see me struggling with the words, please please help me. I got your back. Yeah, perfect. And, uh, yeah, so I'm a photographer. Um, I, like to, I like to say that I'm just like a general photographer. I mean, I love to shoot landscape, but I also do commercial work. Um, I teach photography. Yeah, so I'm a photographer and I lead workshop around the, the planet. And uh, yeah, I'm stoked to be uh, stoked to be here today. I'm stoked to have you on the show. So let's start off with your past. You have a unique story, which is, is really interesting and quite unfamiliar. I think for most people, most people don't don't come to this side of the camera from the other side of the camera. And so why don't you let us know a little bit more about kind of your modeling career and, and, and your past life that you lived before this? Yeah, for sure. Um, so basically, when I was uh, 15 years old, uh, I got scouted by a, a modeling agency. And then I started doing modeling for around uh, nine to 10 years. And uh, I was I was liking the job. Uh, it was it was cool. It was creative. And then eventually I um, started studying fashion design. So I was doing a bit of styling, and then I went to New York to build my portfolio as a fashion stylist, and then came back to Quebec, got scouted to be part of an artist a- uh, agency. So I was doing basically fashion styling and uh, modeling um, at the same time. But I have to say that towards the last year, I, it was, I don't know, I just wasn't feeling it anymore. Uh, I feel that the passion wasn't there really anymore. And uh, I don't know, for me, just the, the, the values in the industry, I wasn't really identifying uh, to the values in the industry. So I decided to uh, quit and uh, to go travel, basically. And then after that, I traveled for uh, four years. That's awesome. I'm, I'm super curious. So with you not being receptive to the values in the industry, I'm, I'm curious. I, you know, I've never done any modeling in my life, I think I have a, a better voice for radio than a, than a face for modeling. But come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that said, I mean, I mean, what was the culture like? What were some of the things that you experienced that that made you not want to, you know, be involved? Yeah. Um, so you know, like uh, when you're modeling, when you're a model, your work, the amount of work you get is based on your looks. So you have to be perfect all the time. 
And it's so much pressure that like, if you're not a hundred percent into it, I don't know, it can, it can be very hard. And also you have to be pretty damn confident. You know, when you do that job, you have to be confident with yourself, with your buddies, because you get a lot of, you know, comments, you have to fit certain uh, standards. And uh, yeah, so like, uh, it was very physically and mentally demanding. And um also, when I was doing uh, fashion styling, um, it was more about, I had a really great portfolio because I went to New York, as I mentioned, but I, I just realized that to get any kind of jobs, you had to go out and kind of like sell yourself and be like, hey, uh, my name is Kat, like I'm a fashion stylist, uh, you want to see my work? So a lot of uh, PR, if I can say, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, uh, I think it's PR. And it's the the one thing that I hate the most to go out and sell myself, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just not part of me. But I absolutely loved the creative side of everything. I was doing a lot of um, more. Um, it's called high fashion stylist styling. So it's usually it's it's a kind of styling that's more uh, creative. It's really not functional clothing. It's really just about creating something otherworldly and unique yeah so it's not about like a commercial styling or, or anything like that which I think there's a lot of similarities with my current work in my photography yeah so so you're saying you lose you use a little bit of your styling uh in your photography well I can see some not styling necessarily but uh, just similarities in terms of uh, creativity you know uh, when I create uh composites you know it's not to the you know, represent reality. It's more to create like a fantasy world. And I was doing exactly the same thing when I was doing fashion styling. I wasn't, you know, creating these these styles or like these shoots to, to be function, to present functional clothing. It was really just to go crazy and create this, like a fantasy world. Gotcha. Yeah. I, uh, so I want to, we're going to come back to composites because yeah. I remember you did post something not too long ago about composites and yeah. I want to, I want to talk about that. Yeah. But before we hop into to that, I'm curious. Uh, so how did you make the transfer then into photography and, and how did you kind of take off in that direction? Yeah. So uh, when I dropped fashion, basically, I just uh, I just make it. I just flip the switch completely. I sold all my designer clothing. I bu- uh, I sold my car, broke my lease, just like completely. I wanted to start over. And then um, I uh, went traveling for four years. So I just like work in different farms around Australia, like doing farm work, lots of farm work. I worked in a banana farm, uh, did some cherry picking. <laughs> I'm sorry, banana I'm laughing farm. inside because you went from being a model to being a, <laughs> uh, a traveling farmer for hire. Yeah. That's and so honestly, rad. <laughs> it was the best work, the best work. And usually people, usually travelers, they stay there like three months because you have to work three months to get your second year visa. But I worked there like a year and people were like, what the hell are you doing? Like, why do you stay here? But I just love them. I just love the physical work. And also when you go to work, you just like, you just do the task, you know, you, you don't really think about, there's no stress really. You just have to do like physical tasks. And that's what I really loved about the farming and that's why I, I did like almost a year and a half of like total farming and it was really amazing and um 
Yeah. So I um, so basically I did some farming and then um, I got a, a, a bandana company from Australia who contacted me. They saw my work on Instagram. Uh, and at that time I was uh, shooting with an iPhone 3, I think, iPhone 2. I don't know, like back in 2015. So you were farming and you were just, you, you had a cell phone and you yeah. were using that to take, that was your first camera that you used to take photos. Yeah, okay. exactly. So I was, I don't know, just taking some snaps of, you know, adventures. I would go on the weekend visiting waterfalls and stuff like that. So really, I don't know, like n- not very extreme photography. It's <laughs> just, you know, pretty basic. And uh, so that Australian company contacted me and they were like, hey, would you like to, would you like to photograph our bandanas? Like we need some content. And I was like, yeah, sure. Okay, perfect. So you can send us the raws. And, uh, you know, I was like, yeah, sure. No problem. But I was shooting iPhone 3. So I had to, I had to buy a camera and then just like learn everything very quickly because uh, of that particular client. So I started by shooting mostly like a lifestyle, lifestyle uh, stuff, if I can say. Um, okay. That's how I got into photography in, in general. That's awesome. So what was, so that's how you got into photography. What was the moment? Uh, obviously you're in a big transition point in your life at this, at this time. What was the moment when you were like, wow, I love this. Like this is, this is all I want to do going forward is this type of work. Yeah. Um, so after my, uh, my farm work, I decided to go on like a solo road trip and uh, not really road trip, but just trip around the world. So I did uh, Indonesia solo and then uh, Hawaii solo. And then I went to um, Western Canada, uh, Alberta, and I had absolutely no plans. So I just rented a car from the airport and I was like, okay, so like now what? So I just slept in the Walmart and then I just uh, basically went from there. Um, I drove through the Canadian Rockies and tried to, try to meet up actually with some, with some people. I remember meeting up with um, uh, big photographers, uh, Le Backpacker, uh, Johan Nolas. Um, uh, I saw him. He put on his Facebook page like, hey, if, I, if anyone would like to meet up, like I'll be over there at that time. And then I messaged him. I was like, so what? Like, let's just meet up with him. And he was with his girlfriend and other people. So we just went on a hike and it was very interesting to see him create. And that's, I think that's how I got like, you know, like slowly introduced to um, landscape photography. But I would say that my big moment was actually at the end of that trip in the Canadian Rockies, when I met up with um, seven strangers we went on the, on the, it's, it's called scrambling. I don't know if you know what scrambling. Mm-mm. No. Okay. So it's basically, it's, it's not hiking. It's not climbing. It's kind of like in between. So you just spot a summit and you try to make your way up there without any trail. So there was like a huge uh, Facebook group. It's called scrambling in the Canadian Rockies, uh, which is really amazing to meet up with people to go scrambling so we, I, I organized this. I've never done any scrambling in my life. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I want to do this scrambling. Like, looking for badass. Never did that in my life. <laughs> you definitely look like a rock star scrambler. <laughs> <laughs> but I can tell you, at that time, zero experience. And then we met up like seven strangers. And we were like, okay, so let's, let's try to make our way to that peak. And then we just realized that only one 
person in the group had scrambling experience with like root finding. So it was really crazy. We basically, you know, what, what should have been uh, like a four hour trip was a 14 hour trip. So we just scramble along like lots of peaks and glaciers, like discovering like new um, uh, glacier lakes. And then we arrived to like a particular viewpoint, which still today I haven't seen anyone photograph that viewpoint. Uh, and I, it's kind of like my secret spot. And I remember taking a photo and I was like, whoa, this, this is what I want to do. Just like discovering new places and going on that crazy adventure that like three years ago when I was doing modeling, wearing heels every day, makeup, like I've never, I've never thought, you know, that some like this would have been possible for me to do. And that's really when I fell in love with, uh, landscape photography discovering new places and capturing these places and bring it back to you you know to to make it make it like a, a lasting memory and um yeah it was such a crazy day we crossed like we crossed like uh, like three rivers up to our waist no dry bag with all our camera gear it was all over the place but till today it was the biggest adventure i have ever done in my life and uh, yeah, I'm just so thankful for that, for that day. I remember calling my mom after crying, being like, I want to stay here forever. Like, this is, is, I think it's the first time in my life I kind of felt like I, 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 found, I have found my, my, my voice and my place. It's just a feeling you get inside yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got it really, really strongly. I can, I can tell you. I can, I see that. I love that. I can hear it. I can feel it. I think it's so, it's so neat. Uh, even more so than your love for creating, like your love for being outdoors uh, and being in nature. What do you think that's done for you uh, health-wise? You know, there's so many people uh, in the creative industry that spend the majority of their time living in these big concrete jungles and they don't get the opportunity to get out. Uh, And it sounds like you've kind of experienced both things. What do you notice differently in yourself being out in nature a lot more and and living that lifestyle? Yeah, so I have to say that you know, I've never been, I mean, I, I grew up in, the, in the, like next to a lake in a cottage. So I, I did experience, you know, the nature a little bit, but I was never passionate about hiking. It's really just when um, I, I did my um, Canadian Rockies trip that I experienced that. Um, so it's, it's just made such a huge difference in my balance, you know, as, as, a, as a human, I feel so much more um, balance and so much more energy. I remember when I was in the city, I would be always anxious and negative, depressed. It's just not not in a good place. And now that I'm spending time outdoors, I just feel that it's it's just bringing out the best out of me all the time, all the time. And when I feel that I'm spending too much time in front of the computer or on my phone, I just go outdoors, come back. I'm like a new person. It's so good. It's I like love a, that. Yeah. It is like a drug, the best drug. A healthy drug. Yes. Yes. Very healthy. Uh, so you're super into landscape photography. I'm curious, A, how much hiking do you do by yourself? There's a lot of times where I watch your stories and I'm like, she's so wild. Like she's just like out alone, it looks like, just cruising through the mountains. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, I have to say that I love going to hike, hiking with people. Uh, it's just so 
amazing how much someone can open up on the trail. Uh, I don't know if you've experienced that, but like when you meet up with people that you don't know, as soon as you walk like 5K after that, it's like your best friend and like, you know, you you, you really get to learn uh, the other person. So I really like to, to hike with other people. But I have to say, if I'm really photography focused, I prefer to go alone just because, um, for example, sometimes if I want to stay uh, on a summit the whole night and not sleep and be like freezing and miserable like I don't want to impose that to other people that are with me so that's why it makes it makes more sense for me to go alone because also I can concentrate more on my photography if I'm with other people I feel that I'm getting out of my zone like if I yeah so I think that's why I I, I hike alone a lot um but I do you know try to meet up with other people just because it's it's nice to to get friends that you know shares the same passion as you and the Yeah, so I try to get a little bit of both, but definitely my last trip in the Rockies, I hiked alone a lot, and uh, that got me into pretty uh, weird places. Yeah. So this last trip, you're out in the Rockies, and I'm curious, like, when you're in the zone, what does that look like? How do you approach photographing a scene? So I will always start by the research. So the first, I always research, uh, it's either on... Google, 500px, Instagram, photo pills to plan my shots. So the research has a huge impact because also I'm so um, picky. I'm so picky with what I photograph that, you know, I, if I go somewhere, I have to make sure that, you know, I, I'm going to like what I, uh, what I have in front of me. So the research is, is the, the main point. Also the weather. Um, but I... I I'm the kind of person who's going to take the chance to, you know, go anyway. If, if it's like uh, bad weather, I'm going to go. And then if it's bad, then I'm just gonna, like going to go again. Um, I've done that multiple times, uh, just like going two or three or four times at the same spot just to get what I want. Yeah. So the research is a really big part So the, all the planning. Um, and then, um, yeah, I will just like when I'm photographing the scene, I will, I will usually shoot what I had in mind. So what I had imagined even before going to the, to the scene. And then once I have secured uh, this particular uh, place, uh, this particular like uh, composition, I will go around and then basically try new stuff that I haven't, you know, necessarily planned. And, uh, but at least I know I have that one shot that I have planned and imagined before. Uh, that I have sickered. Right. So, yeah. So lots of research. Yeah, that's, lots of research. Yeah. That's really interesting to hear. Uh, I mean, I think it shows in your photography. Like, you can tell that you're more technical. And then there's people that I know that don't do any research and they just kind of, you know, show up to places and just figure it all out. Um, yeah. And so it's always really neat to hear how people go about achieving the results that they're able to get creatively. And with you, I'm curious. So, do you mind for those people at home that are unaware of like what a composite is explaining what a composite is? Yeah, for sure. So basically uh, a, a composite is when you take uh, multiple images and you create uh, a new image out of multiple images. Um, and maybe the, the best example I can tell you is uh, when I did, uh, I did a huge trip in Peru and uh, we were like hiking like 20 K a day and in altitudes, above uh, 4,000, 5,000 meters. And uh, we reached a, we reached a campground and um, 
basically I had the choice between taking a single shot of that composition I wanted. So the tent with the, with the mountains in the background. Uh, so I, I took the shot and then I also, I was like looking around, I was seeing that beautiful tent, the Milky Way. Um, and I felt it didn't necessarily like this, that the single shot necessarily represented the, the, the actual feeling and the experience I was having. So I decided to, um, take the, take the tent. So take the foreground separately and then take the Milky Way, which was a bit more towards the right. And then after that, in post-production, put both photos together and then just match the Milky Way in a nice way. So it would create like a more pleasing compositions. So basically when you're moving stuff around, like moving a moon around, moving a Milky Way, whatever, this is a composites. There are like other stuff like time blending where basically you will just leave your camera on the tripod and then just like take let's say like a shot at blue hour and then a shot um, at night. This is called a time blend. Um, so it's not necessarily a composite because you're just like uh, using a technique to uh, like uh, maximize the scene at, and just like make sure that um, the, the quality of the photo is, is met. But when you are doing a composite, you're really moving stuff around. You're creating something out of different elements that you are taking. Um, and it can be very extreme. You can, you can, Composite two moons in the same photo, right. <laughs> like uh, a unicorn. Uh. <laughs> I love I love what you said though. Taking elements from the same scene because there's obviously I guess there's three layers. There's the blend you talked about. There's traditional composite, which would be you shooting the Milky Way that was there in front of you, shooting the tent, shooting the mountains, and then there's like another option of composites, which is like just going online and downloading anything off the internet and then bringing those elements who that weren't necessarily part of the original scene yeah and are you know and so i guess there's there's lots of levels to yeah. composites how do you feel about composites with i think with there being so many levels of composites you have so many people that that uh feel differently about it some people love them some people dislike them uh i guess like anything else people the people often overly insert themselves into other people's things uh and for me, traditionally, I always thought composites were neat. And then I went through a period of time where I started receiving so many complaints from people about, you know, why are you guys posting composites, blah, 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 that I then wanted to make sure that we told people when it was a composite so that they just knew it was a composite and that kind of like ease things. But then yeah. it also got to the point to where it's like, who cares? Like, it's kind of where I'm at now is like, whether it's a composite or not, like, why does, why is everyone so involved with other people's things? Why they should just kind of focus on themselves and yeah, do no. whatever makes them happy and not worry about so-and-so shooting and posting composites. Yeah. So how do um, you feel about the whole situation as a photographer? Yeah. I, I really like to hear everyone's uh, point of views just because I, I, I like to understand their problem, problematic, um, as much as I can, um, you know, you hear stuff like, I don't know, like it's deceiving the viewer or, um, it's creating something that you didn't experience. Uh, you know, you, you hear all kinds of stuff about it. Um, but for me, it's really about, uh, knowing what's your own goal for your, your own work. If my work personally is to, um, like, for example, if I'm in the scene, I want to reproduce the feeling I got, you know, when I was in the scene, not necessarily how my eyes saw the scene, 
But if you're more a purist and you want to reproduce exactly how the scene was, then this is your own goal for your own work. So my, my work is really all about uh, self-expression and also trying to uh, like, uh, put a feeling in, into my work. Um, I, wanna, I want people to look into my work and, and, and feel what I felt. And, um, you know, going back to that 10 shot in, uh, in Peru, um, that's funny because uh, I gave a, a talk and I, I, I put like both photos, like the single shot and the composite shot. Mm-hmm. And I, I asked the audience, like, which shot do you feel represent, not represent, which shot do you feel that there's more like an, uh, can you feel more like the, the emotion out of the photo? And they all said the composite photo. So it's like, it's, it's really, it's like, it really, as I said, it really depends what's your own goal for your own work. And for me, my goal, it's really just self-expression. Um, it has never been to reproduce why uh, my, uh, my eye saw. But also sometimes I will post photos that, you know, it's just like a single shot with 15 minutes edit and I will post it. So now what I do, it, I will just like state it in my, uh, in my caption that it's a composite. Even though I personally don't feel that it is a rule that you have to state when it's a composite, because you know Instagram is is an is a visual app. Uh, for me, it's like sometimes I will I will uh, post that it's a composite, and and the person you know will say, oh, amazing, um, amazing that you have experienced that, and I will say, and I will say, um, yeah, but it it's it's a composite. I didn't really experience that, and the person will say, so what? I got a feeling out of your work and that is what's important. So I feel that, uh, I don't know, 90% of the people don't really care if a photo is a composite because they're getting, you know, a feeling or entertained out of an image. But maybe that other 10% is more like the purist um, that are all about, you know, getting everything in a, in a single shot. And we can discuss that a lot because if you shoot something at 14 millimeter, it is not reproducing what the human eye is seeing. The human eye is seeing at 50, 50 mil. Right. So, yeah, it's like, I think it's important to set your own rules and your own boundaries and respect, like, other people's rules and boundaries and just care about, you know, your own work, you know? It's, I mean, right. I'm the same as you. I don't understand why it's such a, why, why it's such a big deal. How do you, when you, when you get criticism like that, how do you deal with that type of criticism? Yeah, um, I, I, I really try to understand uh, the other person's viewpoint. And then I, I bring uh, my viewpoint and try to explain, you know, why I do stuff like that. And uh, if, it's, if it's done in, in a, you know, like a nice manner, in like in a logical way, usually the, the person at the end will be, oh, okay, I totally get it. Like if you, if you do it for uh, self-expression, then, you know, what can I, like there's no argument to that. You're not allowed to self-express yourself. Like, come on. (laughs) It's just weird to me. So you're out traveling, you're crushing it. And how does one like yourself afford to get around and do things? Like where, how do you make money? Yeah. So, um, I would. Show me the money. Sorry. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I have to say that, uh, right now it, it, Okay, before I was doing uh, workshops, uh, mostly just content creation and commercial work. But now that I've slowly got into workshops, I would say it's my uh, main source of income. But I'm also doing commercial work for um, 
know, clothing companies, uh, like any kind of products, I'm doing that on the side. But also I live a very minimalist life. Like I'm not the kind of person who's going to go out and spend some money on, you know, in the bars. And um, I will, when I travel, I will 100% of the time sleep in my car. Like, okay, of course, if it's minus 20, maybe not. But uh, I will try to sleep in my car as much as I can. And also I absolutely love sleeping in my car. There's just something about it that I love, just like the little cocoon and, you know, (laughs) Like parking anywhere and just be, I don't know, just so free to go anywhere when, you know, when you want to go. And uh, yeah, I just really love the, the dirtbag life. And I think that has uh, allowed me to save a lot of money uh, to travel. Um, but I have to say that on the last year, I've done just so many workshops that I didn't really uh, give myself some time to shoot for myself. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to uh, fix that uh, for the next year. I'm going to do more like personal travels. Um, but yeah, I think that it's just like about being careful with your expense in general. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, maybe I spend like a $300 per year to, on floating. And uh, yeah, I just try to save as much as I can basically. Wait, you spend 300 bucks a year on what? On, on the clothing. Oh, on clothing. Oh, that's, yeah. that's so cool. Or maybe less. Like, I just love thrift, uh, thrift stores. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I just don't need more stuff. It just has no value for me. I can relate. I used to, I mean, I, I grew up from, like, just a super basic middle-class family. At times, like, lower middle-class, depending. Like, my parents had me really young. And so, like, when we were young, we had less money than we did as we got older. And they started to make more money. But I always, like material things kind of mattered because we didn't have things. And I always wanted, like I got made fun of in school, cheap shoes and all that nonsense, but yeah, you know, so silly. But yeah. <laughs> as you get older and as you start to, to, to grow and develop in your career and doing things like you just start to realize how sig- insignificant all that, all the stuff is. And then you get to a point to where you realize the stuff weighs you down. Yeah. You like don't want anything. And you're like, get rid of all the things so I can think and live and enjoy my life without being bombarded by uh, material things. So it's super cool to, to hear you say that. And yeah. I think more people uh, could, could be living out their dreams right now if they had more personal and self-discipline and on, on every level, you know, with managing their life, managing their finances, their choices. And yeah. uh, it sounds like you got that stuff pretty dialed. So congrats. That's really awesome to hear. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm trying. Like, it's it's not always uh, easy to be like, okay, maybe I'm gonna skip a restaurant today, or you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, at the same time, I treat myself with, with stuff that I think uh, matters, like I don't know, organic food and stuff like that. So I will I will pay a bit more to you know go take that path. But do I really need a second winter jacket or a second tent or I don't know? Maybe not. Like, I just want to you know, use the stuff that I have and until it dies and then I'm going to buy a new one. Like, no, yeah, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong yeah. with that. So before I move on from photography into travel, I'm curious if you had any, uh, maybe like two or three tips on shooting composites for the listeners. Yeah. I, I have to say maybe the first one is make sure you're comfortable with it. Because like if it, maybe, you, you know, you will shoot it and then you will come back home and then do it. If it feels wrong for you, then don't do it. It, it has to stay about 
like self-expression and reproducing a feeling you had. And, and, and if you're, you know, 100% for it, then I would say just experiment, like use different lens, use different techniques. Uh, sometimes I will shoot a panorama at 70 mil and then just shoot another panorama at 60 mil and uh, 16 mil and then just put both together. And it's, it's really about um, know your limits also, because if you, you know, if you Photoshop two Milky Ways, for me, it's my limit. I want to rep- I want to do something that's believable. But if if you want to only um, go into the self expression side of it, then you know I would I I will say just go crazy and just just have fun with it. Like there's no don't don't put yourself any boundaries. But also try to be careful if you when you do composites uh, if that's what you want to do. Like if you want to trying to like do something that's believable just like become careful when you um you know put the photos together in photoshop because uh, when you see the flaws that's that's when someone can can see can say like oh that's a composite you know so it's it's yeah just have fun with it and and you know take the time to to make it look right most definitely appreciate you sharing those that you know those words of wisdom with us uh, outside of the photography, moving into travel, and I guess this is still borderline photography, but I'm super curious about your photography workshops that you teach. Would you yeah. mind explaining a little bit more about that? Like, so if someone was interested in going on one of these workshops, what are they like? Yeah, so uh, it, it's uh, they're super uh, different, uh, actually. Um, I have one in Scotland that uh, will be with one or uh, two other female photographers. The last one I did with, was with uh, Charlotte. Charlotte. Uh, nice. Lucia. Yeah. Charlie Savory now. Yeah. yeah. And we had just so much fun. Um, so I was teaching more the side of like landscape and more like, um, like uh, techniques, uh, landscape photography techniques. And she was teaching more like portraits and wildlife. And then there was Lizzie Elizabeth Yad who was teaching uh, self-portraits so that was super nice to I think it's 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 really cool someone who you know is just starting into uh, photography to see every side of it and learn a bit from everything and then so that's one one uh, kind of workshop uh, I'm doing uh, another kind is I would say hiking photography workshops uh, like in Patagonia where basically you have to carry all your stuff so all your camping gear all your food water uh you know photography gear and then we we're just going inside the mountains for five days mm-hmm. so uh, obviously i'm helping with the preparation but um i would say that these are more like for you know someone that has at least a little bit of experience in backpacking um and you know a bit of fitness if i can say right. uh, what, what level do you think like uh, I don't know. Like, it's just like it, basic fitness. Because in my last uh, workshop in Patagonia, I had a woman. She was like uh, 60, I think, 65. And uh, she was fine. She was just a little slower. But she, she made it. And it was super fun. And, you know, it's not, it's not like a fitness competition. Like, we're just, you know, getting to the campsite, pitching, like, uh, or tents. And then we're going out shooting. And then we we're coming back to the campsite and then moving to to the next one. Mm. So it's nothing crazy. Um, but at the same time, I have some workshops that are a bit more extreme, like the one in uh, Peru where we will be hiking 
between 4,000 to 5,000 5, 5, uh, meters. So it's, uh, you have to be, I think the fitness is a little more, uh, yeah, you have to be a little more fit to do that. Uh, but then we'll have porters. So you just have to carry your own um, day pack. But still, like we're going to walk like uh, 20 kilometers per day at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. And then basically I'm just helping out with the with the shots the whole time. Um, I will barely take out my own gear because I just want to make sure that people go back home with amazing images. And um, it really matters to me that people learn and that people create beautiful images and that they, they, they learn something. And that's, I think that's the difference between uh, tours and workshops where tours, you just basically bring people to the photography spots and then workshops, like the, the workshops leader are supposed to, to teach and to help the, the, the clients. And uh, that's something I'm super passionate about. So most of the time I will just forget about shooting during the whole workshop and I will come back home with zero images. But my clients, they will come back home with amazing images. So that's that. That's what makes me happy. And it's for me, it's worth it. <laughs> oh, that makes me so happy to hear that, though. I mean that's how you win is if they come home with epic shots and they're stoked then like you killed it like you did your job it's Um, much more important for me than getting personal stuff and and that's important that goes back to like it's awesome to see how much self-discipline you have it's it's hard for a lot of artists to leave to step out from being an artist even when they're doing workshops and things it can oftentimes still be them wanting to just do their thing right uh, yeah. and so it, it's really cool to hear that. How do you stay, like you do a lot of hiking. How do you stay in shape? Like what's your workout regimen kind of look like, or, or do you just hike so much now that that's kind of your working out? You just do it enough to where you don't need to do anything else. Yeah. I think, uh, I'm going to lie. If I tell you that I work out home, usually between my trips, I will become the biggest couch potato on the planet. Yes. <laughs> sit in couch and watch Netflix for weeks at a time. I will, be, I will not move for weeks. Uh, yeah, I mean, I gotta hit the gym for sure. But I think, I think you know, um, over the years, the body uh, develops some new muscles that are very easy to wake up. You know, when you start uh, hiking again, so I don't work out that much back home. And I think it's really just uh, the hiking that keeps me fit. Mm-hmm. You know, like sometimes I will hike, uh, my God, uh, six to 12 hours a day. Like that's a lot of calories burned. <laughs> but then, and I will be, I will go like full on for three weeks, you know, almost no sleep, hiking every day, uh, 2000 meters elevation gain, 20K per day. But then when I come back home, I'm just dead. <laughs> yeah. I just stopped moving. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So let me ask you this. You have all these people creating on Instagram and some call themselves influencers, some don't, some are regarded to as influencers and that word just kind of thrown around. And I'm just curious for you personally, like what do you stand for? Like as Catherine, like, what do you stand for, I guess? Yeah, um, that's something I've been thinking a lot because I have friends that are, you know, influencers and I have friends who are more like fine art photographers and absolutely hate Instagram. Um, 
I think it really depends of how you utilize Instagram. Mm -hmm. So I will say that, you know, if, um, if you're, if you want to be an influencer, if you want to work with tourism boards, if you want to be big on Instagram, uh, then you'll have to sacrifice a little bit of your creativity. Uh, you know, uh, I, I know some accounts that went from zero to two hundreds in a year um, by, you know, hitting the same Instagram spots. And I have I have to say I have absolutely no problem with that because they're traveling. They're living the life they want. They're happy and it's their own business. So I am I have to say I'm I'm more and more annoyed by people who are, you know, putting all the blame on Instagram, the Instagrammers. Like I don't, I don't consider myself uh, an Instagrammer just because, you know, I'm not that much active. Like I post maybe once a month and uh, my, my, my personal goal with, with Instagram is to share my own work. But for an influencer who wants to make a living out of it and who wants to make money and who wants to put some food on, on his plate, like, for me, it's okay to do these kind of things because it's like it's so he can make a living and be happy doing what he wants. But sometimes, yes, he will have to sacrifice a little bit of creativity because some kind of photos do better on Instagram than others. Right. And then if you're if you're a let's say a fine art photographer and you're putting your stuff on Instagram and you're frustrated because you know it's not doing good, you know, um, I don't know, like most of the fine art photographers I know that put their work out there, they really struggle with Instagram, the social media, because this, this app is just not adapted for their, their kind of art. When if you're a fine art landscape photographer, your work is meant to be printed. It's meant to be seen in big, not on a tiny phone. So for me, it's just like, you know, like if, if you want to, if you're a fine art photographer, then don't expect to do good on Instagram because Instagram is for celebrities, it's for influencers, uh, actors, models. Like it's they're just a particular type of content that do good on Instagram, and it doesn't mean that what they're doing as a fine art photographers is bad. It's just that it's not adapted for their kind of art. So I don't know. I I, I think if 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 you're frustrated about Instagram, then just ask yourself, like, is, is, is this app really meant for your kind of work? And it's just to utilize it either as a business or to make friends, you know? So it's, uh, uh, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm pretty logic. It's like, this is, this is Instagram, you know, uh, this is what you need to do to become an influencer, gain followers. If you want to go this path, do it. If you don't want, then don't do it. And, just find another way to like uh, promote your, your work. There's right. so much more other ways to promote your work. No, absolutely. I appreciate you sharing that. I, I guess what I, what I was trying to ask is more or less like, what do you stand for personally as like an artist? So there's a lot of people on Instagram, right. That create beautiful things, but they don't necessarily communicate outward any things. But when you look back to some of the greatest artists and inventors and people of our time, like they all like kind of had these, these things that they embodied and, and, and stood for a certain thing. So like for me, my things inspiring people and, and, and equipping people with, uh, 
discipline and, and showing them like, Hey, like you can achieve your goals. Hey, you can do these things with some yeah. proper work and self-love and, uh, and dedication. Like you guys can pretty much make anything happen. And like, that's super important to me. So that's kind of like always been my message outwardly to the world, my friends and everyone knows I kind of embody that. And so I was just curious, like you as this, this force of an artist, like what do you hold close to your heart and, and, and what do you want to communicate outwardly to the world? Yeah. Um, I think as a person, I've, I've never been afraid to, you know, take risks and, and follow my passion. So I think that's, that's what I'm kind of like inspiring. Uh, when I, when I started with my, uh, with my page, I, I, I was posting a lot about, you know, leaving my career to pursue photography. And I had lots of people be like, like messaging me and be like, Hey, how do I leave my job to do what you what you do? Like, I don't know. Just like, I think I'm happy to use this social media to help people either with their photography, with uh, their travel plans, or with with life in general. And uh, I just want to inspire people to to yeah, don't be afraid to take risk to do what what you love and what you stand for. Um, so I think maybe that's the bigger message behind my behind my work and also go outdoors. Like mm -hmm. sunrise mission missions. I had, there's nothing that makes me more happy that, than some like people messaging me and be like, Hey, you're inspiring me to go on like a solo, uh, sunset mission, like doing like four hours of driving, hiking 10 K. And this makes me happy because I inspired someone to go outdoors. Like there's nothing more rewarding than, than this as a landscape photographer. And, um, yeah, I think that's the, I think that's mo mostly it. Just seeing the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. No, I dig that. So I want to talk to you about gear because I'm sure you get tons of questions about what gear you use. Yeah. Uh, would you mind running me through? And actually, you just packed your bag, you said, the other day, right? So you probably. Yeah. Just, do you want to fire off that list of gear that you use? Okay. Um, I have to say that I share a part of my gear with my current partner. So, um, but basically the gear I have, I have the Mavic 2 Pro, mm -hmm. which I have just started using because it's, it has taken me three years before flying a drone because I was too scared, mm -hmm. but I just decided to go for it. I, it's literally the most stressful thing ever. After I fly the drone, I'm like shaking. I'm on a fire <laughs> for like a day, man. I love it, it. Oh my god! It's, so do you get I, like an adrenaline rush from it? Adrenaline for like two days. That's I can't. so rad. <laughs> <laughs> that is so cool to hear. I, man. I sleep. It's good, but it's not. Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I absolutely love doing photography with, with the drone. It just brings such another perspective. So I have that. And then, obviously, um, I'm part of the uh, Alpha Collective. So I, I shoot Sony. And uh, I have uh, a 3 And then I have another uh, camera buddy as a backup. Because uh, I got some pretty bad luck in Patagonia last year. Just like I was stuck with one camera buddy, one lens. Mm. And I couldn't shoot anything for like three weeks. So right now I always try to bring a second camera buddy and I have my 1635 f2.8 G Master, which is the lens I use the most. I use it for like 90% of my work. 1635? Uh, yeah, f2.8. Uh, most, uh, most of my astrophotography work is uh, with that lens. 
And um, I would say the second lens that I use the most is the 100-400F 4.5-5.6 G Master Sony. Mm-hmm. And, and then I have two other lenses, the 24-70F 2.8 and the 70-200F 2.8. And I have a 50 sometimes if I feel like shooting portraits and stuff. So, yeah, I think I have five lens um, and then two camera buddies. Um, yeah, it's not about the gear, though. I have to say it's not about the gear. Um, when I get questions like, hey, amazing image, what gear do you shoot? I'm like, <laughs> well, so, you know, it's not about the gear, but this is my gear. And uh, yeah, just like because I think a lot of people think that uh, creating good image is uh, based on the gear, which right. is absolutely not true. How does that make you feel as the artist? Cause I know I've gotten it before where someone's just like, it's not like, wow, you're dude, That's so rad. It's like, wow, what camera do you have? Like how, like, and, and, and they make it very much so sound like you only were able to do this thing because of the, of the tool that you have that they don't have. Yeah. And it's frustrating. It's like, dude, <laughs> I know. And especially when I have like a long caption explaining every, all the work that got like <laughs> image i'm like dude did you read the caption like oh god yeah i don't know sometimes i will take the the time to explain to that person that it's not about the gear but shooting that that kind of gear and i have to say that the sony is really amazing in terms of quality and also it's so good when you go backpacking like my stuff is half the weight as you know the canon and nikon users and (laughs) yeah so it's it's really uh yeah I'm stoked to be shooting Sony, and I actually started with Sony. I've never shot, I've never been shooting with anything else than Sony. Oh, really? Yeah. That's pretty cool. I definitely started out as a Canon guy a long yeah. time ago, but made the switch in 2015, and yeah, they make great yeah. stuff. You don't regret it? No, no, <laughs> not at all. Um, I mean, there's things you miss here and there, you know, but it's it's tiny, tiny things, so... Uh, I'm curious, what do you think about mobile photography? Like the iPhone 11 just dropped and there's like this big push towards mobile content creation uh, creation, and you're seeing that like the technology is the technology, the current technology in our camera systems can advance much more. Like it's pretty much like we're pretty much maxed. And so you're seeing the next wave of cameras being cell phones and it's not about the, yeah. the lens and the sensor. It's about AI. And so I'm curious on like how you feel about, uh, that whole new wave that's going to be coming. Like it might even be weird four years from now, you know, to be doing things on big cameras. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like if, if the quality of the image is, is, is as good as the, 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 my camera buddy and my current gear, like why not? Like I have nothing about it against it. Um, but yeah, sometimes like in the dynamic range, it can, you know, it's, I, I'm very curious to see a phone that's going to have a, a, like a dynamic range as good as, uh, as the Sony. Right. We'll see. Yeah, I don't, I, I just, yeah, it'll be interesting because I, I feel like they'll just have software that can like fix yeah. the dynamic range. And then <laughs> even beyond that, I'm almost curious to where like, you know how mirrorless cameras and DSLRs have like a specific, like have a look. Yeah, that's true. And so I, it good I, in your hand. Yeah, and and I'm, part of me wonders like cell phones also like you can kind of tell sometimes when it's cell phone footage, and I wonder if I'm curious going forward if and obviously we're just talking theoretically here, but 
if the look of a high-end camera is going to like go out. Like I have clients right now that tell us like, hey, can you not use any of the stabilized footage and use all the handheld shots? We want it to look more natural. We want it to, more, to look more raw. I have some clients that ask us specifically to shoot on mobile and not to use cameras because they have research on their analytics that are saying that people engage more with the raw and the real stuff than they do with the overly produced things. And so uh, it's super interesting. Like, I, I wonder if there's going to be a big shift to, to, to story and not so much like what your content looks like, but more or less just like the substance of the content itself. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. I mean, I have to say that like my stuff is really far from raw. Like it's so edited. So for me, it doesn't make it really any sense to be using an iPhone to create stuff that looks raw. But I have to say, I really enjoy making stories and, you know, just showing the place how it is. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, posting the more creative image with the brain, my brain filter on it uh, with like a fantasy world. Um, yeah, I don't know about photos though. Maybe with videos, it's just so handy to have that little, mm-hmm. you know, thing in your hand, and you just like get it out, take a snap, and uh, you can make some pretty awesome footage just with a phone. It's also interesting too, because with mobile, even though it sounds weird, it sounds like I work for Apple or something. I'm like, yeah, mobile, um, <laughs> not at all. But what I think is interesting about mobile photography is like, you ever like point a camera? like pull a camera up in a restaurant or wherever downtown. And like, everyone's like, don't, don't take my photo. It's like, dude, I'm not taking like, stop it. Like I'm not taking a photo of you. Like quit flattering yourself. Uh, but (laughs) like if you, if you point a phone, right, no one says a word, you pull a camera out and it's like, Oh, what are you doing? Why are you here? Uh, it makes it almost harder to do your job oftentimes, but you pull a cell phone out and you can point it at anyone and you can film photo video and no one says a single word to you. Okay, I think it would make more sense uh, for uh, street photography and portrait photography. Mm-hmm. For, for the landscape, who gives a damn right. about, you know, if you use a big camera or a phone, and like, no, the landscape's not going to tell you what are you doing. <laughs> right. But for, for sure, when you shoot portraits, it I, I, maybe it makes more sense in, in, in that case. So right. Especially I, for like, candid things. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I find that interesting. So, uh we're coming to, we're coming close to the time here. And so uh, I don't want to take too much of your time up, but before we wrap up the episode, we normally end with our guests more or less sharing some words of advice for the AOV community. And so whenever you're ready, uh, feel free to just share whatever's on your mind, uh, with the AOV community. These are your people. I will say that I'm, um, I'm a big uh, believer in karma. So I believe that the more positivity you put out there, the more positive positivity will come back to you. And uh, I just, you know, it's so important to keep that in mind, uh, not to stay in like a negative circle. You know, if you feel you're in a, in a bad place, then do good stuff. Uh, thing, do stuff that makes you feel good. Do stuff for other people. Um, and that will always come back to you. Also, I will say uh, to trust your instinct because uh, that's something that I have been doing for you know my whole life. Uh, I, I, I quit you know fashion to, to do photography. Before that, I was doing I was doing uh, science, quit fashion, quit science to do fashion. 
So just follow your inner voice, follow your instincts, um, because that's like your little voice uh, that guides you towards your more um, authentic self and your um, happiness. So, yeah, just trust yourself and just don't care about all the noise around you. You know, just trust yourself. So I think that's my my uh, my biggest advice. Kath, thank you so much for coming on the show uh, guys, you can go over to Instagram and check her out. It's my detox travel. That's M Y D E T O X T R A V E L. My detox travel. Check out her work. You can check her out on her website as well, which is Katsimar.com. It's just her first last name. It's also in her bio link. So, uh, mm-hmm. Give her a follow, and Catherine, just thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, taking the time to chat with me. Thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. That was epic. Thank you. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of the AOV Podcast. Our goal here at Art of Visuals is to keep everything free and to keep creating great tools and resources for you guys to utilize to to achieve all your guys' dreams in the photography, filmmaking, and content creation world, even entrepreneurship. With that said, we've picked up Adorama as a sponsor to help us cover some of our costs, and we're grateful for them. All we ask of you guys is, if you're going to purchase gear, we'd really love it if you guys would head over to Adorama.com and make your purchase there instead of elsewhere. And just know that when you guys do that, you guys will also somewhat be supporting Art of Visuals and allowing us to continue to create great content for you guys, uh, like our podcast, our free app, and a lot of the other great things we do. Also, if you listen to the podcast, all of the AOV presets are now free. Uh, So check out our website shop.artofvisuals.com go get some free presets the artist presets are still for sale if you want to support the artist and you should support the artist uh, just know that that money goes to them and we're also going to be reworking that commission structure uh, here in the next month so we're really stoked about that but go get some free presets and if you guys want to buy gear please support us help us out go to adorama.com peace